definitely creating content that helps people is really the solution. What really works is building a community, consistently doing events like webinars, and producing content specifically for certain categories. You earn that raise, and you earn that job. Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. It is Friday. It's happy Friday, and I'm delighted to welcome on David Oates onto the yeah. pod today. Hello, David. How are you doing? Morning, Justin. How are you? Yes, very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. We had a few technical difficulties before we started up today, but we're going to slide straight into it. Yeah, man. Happy to do that. So, David, tell us a little bit about your background uh, before we dive into our subject today, which is going to be something we're going to call a, a SaaS shift. But tell us uh, a little bit about your background. Okay. So my background is 30-something years in the tech industry. I actually, this is a bit embarrassing, I started out when there wasn't a software business, there was only a hardware business, um, selling mainframes. Um, progressed into the software industry as it grew. Um, I've held various sales positions up until the mid-90s, and then various increasing leadership positions since then. Um, most recently on the board at Koji Software and as CRO. And then about 18 months ago, went out on my own, and now I'm spending most of my life advising early-stage, mid-stage businesses, um, either as a non-exec director or as an advisor to the CEO, um, and absolutely loving it, and seeing SaaS from its inception to where we are today. And you've been in the industry for a while, and um, you've seen quite a few changes. Um, when when we had a, a chat before, you, you said that you've potentially gone through five recessions if you include the, the disruption of the pandemic. You're seeing big changes at the moment. What what things are jumping out to you, especially with regard to marketing SaaS? Well, I think, you know, you described it as a, you mentioned earlier as a SaaS shift. I think there is a SaaS shift. Um, and we're almost on SaaS, I think probably 3.0 now. And when SaaS started, and we all know, you know, Salesforce were kind of the first people to introduce the SaaS model. Um, and they went through all the pain, and then everybody started to copy it, and it, it progressed. Then SaaS became a buzzword, and everybody wanted a SaaS solution in their company. And actually, probably, I'm trying to think, about 2017 or 2020, if I'm honest, it wasn't that tough to do well as long as you had a product that worked. Um, and that led to a very specific style of marketing, a uh, very specific style of selling. We evolved that model into the marketing for lead generation, BDR stroke SDR to, to make the initial contact, AE to go do the deal, AM account manager to go and look after the client. Um that's evolved, and I think where the biggest shift is right now in the SaaS industry is two. One is people don't buy because they want a SaaS solution. Now they buy because they have a specific problem. It's kind of gone back full circle to where it was um, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and secondly, I think the economics of the current markets have dictated that SaaS changes in terms of the way we address our available market so think back 
pre-pandemic, it was all about growth. And actually, even post-pandemic, when we came back, <clears throat> was all about top-line growth. The VCs were throwing money at SaaS businesses, sometimes SaaS businesses that didn't have a good business model. That stopped. Um, and I think there's a bigger, much bigger focus on retention now. I've been arguing since the start of this year that boards of directors, CEOs that just stick a 30% growth number on a sales team and a marketing organization without any thought, just going, okay, we've got to grow 30%, right. are setting themselves up to die. Because the fact is, and I've argued this since the start of the year, flat might not be a bad result at the end of this year. 10%. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you there, David, yeah. 10% might be an exceptional result, okay? So there's a shift towards, there's definitely a shift towards really driving revenue or additional revenue out of existing customers. And how do you do that? Yeah, You start to have customer marketing rather than just prospect marketing. So marketing that's focused at growing the customer rather than trying to drive new leads. Products that's directed at making the customer more delighted with you as a supplier than just trying to introduce new sexy features that will attract new customers. Gotcha. Because if in reality... If I could just stop yeah, you there, David, very sorry. You're tapping something on the table. It might be a watch or, or something oh, like sorry, that. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't you worry. <laughs> no, it happens I all the time. I stimulated that out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get the uh, sound editor to cut that bit out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that happens all the time, people. It's just some uh, human nature. Good. Let's let's focus on that. So I'm going to quote you. We can, we can edit that there, put it in a jingle, yeah. and then I'm going to ask you the next question. Okay, David, because you mentioned to me, and, 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 I'll, and I'll quote you on this, is you cannot market or sell anything right now unless you're able to make people money or save them money. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. And again... Something I've been arguing and preaching all year. People do not, companies do not have free discretionary spend at the moment. It'll come back. It's cyclical. You know, I've lived through five of these things. They all, recessions always seem desperate when you're in them, but you come out of them. And it's the one thing you can guarantee about a recession is you will come out of it. Um, but when you're in a recession, and I think this is, this is where the gray beard and no hair helps. Having seen it before, you know, you realize that you can't sell nice to haves in this market. And the reality is, all value propositions have to address two things Can I make you more money or can I save you more money? Because actually, that's what's the C suite, the CEO, the CFO, that's all they care about right now. Whether that's a publicly listed company, whether that's a private company, if you're public, you've got to increase share value or hold share value. How do you do that? Will you deliver on your commitment? Because that's the reality of the market. If you're a private company, how do you appease your investors? You show good traditional business metrics, which means cutting costs and driving revenues so that your EBITDA number looks good. You made a very good point there, and I think that in the conversations that are happening at the moment with a lot of companies that do feel like the fight, the, the influence of uh, finance and CFOs and controlling and procurement, their their influence at the moment 
is, is really felt, I believe, at all areas of the business, whether indeed you're a corporate or a you know SME uh, size organization. Um, so that we touched on this idea of a SaaS shift. So where do you think opportunities lie at the moment for B2B marketeers when, when the market is quite tough? From a market from a marketeer perspective, I would say absolutely concentrate on your customer base. Concentrate on either widening the message within that customer or deepening the message within that customer. I know it's a bit cliche, but you know, you either want to attract more users or to get the users you've got to do more. And it's fascinating, you know, before this recession hit, the number of times I would talk to customers about what solutions they got in place, how they were using them. And they'd say, oh, we've got these fantastic solutions. What's your adoption like? Well, it's actually not that good because people are resistant to change. And particularly my specialist area, which is commercial real estate, you know, it's really resistant to change. Um but I think marketeers need to focus more on the customer and drive that net retention number. And you mentioned that you're, I mean, you're working at the moment uh, for an organization called Yavica, and they're in the commercial real estate space. Yeah. So let's use, let's use that as an example. So I can imagine the sales cycles are quite long and then very complicated um, sales processes. I mean, what, what sort of sales cycles are involved there? Uh, Yavica is uh, effectively an ERP stroke CRM system for commercial real estate, sits on top of Microsoft Dynamics. Um, the typical customer cycle or sales cycle is 12 to 18 months. And that in that space is a different challenge because even once you've got the, um, the contract signed, you might not be able to recognize revenues for another 12 months because it's a long implementation project. Um, so... The focus of marketing in that kind of business is with a long-term mentality. Um, you, In the ERP space, you do not go out and prospect in the normal way because there's so few people thinking about changing their ERP approach. You can't just blanket mail, you know, start structuring um, big email sequences because your chance of success is, is minimal. What you have to do is research really hard and find the ICP, find that ideal customer just by old school. And this is a big shift. And I want to talk about something quickly after this, but old school selling techniques, which means really research your client base, prospecting client base, really dig into it. And then just do that old fashioned thing of pick up the phone and talk to people. Absolutely, yeah. And the reason I mentioned that, and I want to bring this up because this is very sort of hot off the press. A friend of mine, um, a guy called Jerry Hill, has just been to the outreach conference in Seattle where they had a lot of top CEOs, VCs, talking about the market. And he said the overriding message coming from senior CEOs, you know, really senior guys, was we've got to go back to old school sales and marketing approaches. We've yeah. got to and go it makes back absolute to sense, yeah, because you've got to build up relationships, especially with a long-term view in mind, because if budgets yeah. are tight, you need to be on people's radars in the long term. And I know you mentioned a 12 to 18-month sales cycle, but imagine if that's even longer. Um, yeah. 
And there's absolutely techniques that you can use, and we'll touch on AI in a moment. There are tools that you can use to help you, but I do, and I'm a very firm believer in, is that they're there to assist you, they're not to solve your problems. You can't do yes. blanket mail campaigns. You can't have that spray and pray approach. You can use these tools to 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 sort of alleviate some of the the, the pain points, but you should never rely on them. Um, yeah, so I'm absolutely in agreement with you there, David. We 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 should we should touch on AI because when when we chatted before, you mentioned that you felt that there's an, also another shift and. Some some impacts have been pretty significant that you've you've never seen before. So what so what are you seeing there? Future First is sponsored by Salesforce, B two B pipeline management, and sales growth for your business. So well, I'm seeing a few things with AI. I mean, the first thing I will say about AI is I absolutely am not one of those people that subscribes that AI will replace everybody. Okay, for me, um, the co-pilot approach. Um, which a few people are using that phrase now, I think is the right way. So AI plus human intervention is going to be massively advantageous to people. Where I think it will really help, um, and I'm not sure what the AI impact of marketing is yet, other than through the ability to get intelligence really, really quickly. Um, Because, and this is where I am, I guess, being old again, but I think you need the human creative brain to make AI really work. Um, and yes, I've played with ChatGPT and I had it write a blue song for me and it was awful. <laughs> no emotion to it. And that's the point. Marketing, for me, is still an emotive subject. You're appealing to someone's emotions and AI right. doesn't appeal to someone's emotions because it doesn't know how to do it. However... I think AI is going to automate a lot of the processes and make allow marketeers to focus more on creative thought processes. If it can yep. automate um, campaign management, if it can automate event creation, if it can automate um, very simple early stage first touch stuff, um, if it can automate the renewals process, which we know it probably can, um, then that frees people up to do what actually they're best at. And that's where I think AI's got a big advantage. In the sales world, AI is going to make a huge difference, particularly to sales leaders, in that it will allow us to automate renewals processes, maybe even some negotiation processes. There is a fantastic piece of tech from a company called Uncapped in Australia, which I've been doing a little bit of work for, that will automate the negotiation process and will pull in every parameter in the negotiation and allow you to optimize negotiations so that both seller and customer get the best deal. Right. right. That's clever stuff. And it's only at the first, it's the early stages. Um, so there's huge advantages from AI, but I think, and it may replace some people, yes. like it may replace a renewals team for example they might be able to automate that but in the marketing space it will never replace the creative brain Indeed. ai generated portrait pictures will never be as good as picasso 
yeah, absolutely. I mean, they'll they'll certainly certainly try their best. And I actually read a pretty interesting report on the they did a, a job risk analysis. So I like that. I've never heard that terminology about co-pilot before. I think that's a really good one. I need to dive into that. But okay. I read a report. Is that the job the jobs that are most at risk because especially with generative AI, we're not talking yep. about future AI and what and what the future holds is those that require a, a, a lot of it being online, a lot of it being communication-based, a lot of it being administration-based. Mm-hmm. And the, those jobs that are at most at risk are CEO, C-level, board-level jobs, right? Um, with, with, yeah. Without the, the human interaction that's needed. So never replace, uh, for example, inspiring leadership for a team. Yeah. And the, the point they were trying to make was, well, maybe those that sort of uh, board meeting style um, interaction and communication and reports and what have you, maybe that's not going to be so relevant anymore. That can be automated. Yeah. Um, but the leadership and um, and getting great teams together is going to be more important than ever. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you, think, you know, think about the recession again. The team, the companies that are holding together and doing well or doing okay, let's say doing yeah. okay. Yeah. Are the ones that have got really inspiring leaders. Because you do need inspirational leadership to stop people panicking, to stop people jumping shit because life's got tough and they always oh, better than, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else. To keep the customers on track and happy and comfortable with your message and your approach, that takes leadership. And actually, managing the board takes leadership. Yeah, indeed. The hardest thing in the world is managing upwards, right? Um, but yeah, AI can never replace that. But I think it's got... I firmly believe, even at my, you know, almost close to retirement age, I believe AI has got a massive part to play in the future of business and the future of the SaaS industry. Um, is it going to change it forever? Probably over time. But is it going to replace everybody in it? Definitely not. No. Yep. And um, I might have to quote uh, Rupert Murdoch here. Certain oh, interesting okay. and divisive figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you know, he stepped back from News Corp, right? So, yeah. uh, and uh, a lot of it in the news and was effectively retiring at the age of 92. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. AI can't replace Rupert Murdoch, no matter what you think of that guy. No. Um, he said uh, something. He said something very interesting was that if you have, and this this goes back to what you're saying about companies that are doing okay have certain traits about them: good leadership and good teams. And he said, if you've got someone in your team that is loyal and hardworking, that's all that matters. Right. And those companies that have accelerated at extreme pace, they've hired huge teams, they pumped money into you know, into all of that. They're, they're suffering right now, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're really suffering. And then it brings us back to the beginning of the conversation, where it's about maybe going back a bit old school, be, building strong relationships and communicating with people at the end of the day. Right, David? I absolutely agree. Um couldn't agree more. Just in what you say about old school, I think this is, I'm going to start to get a little bit on my horse here because this is something I really believe. At the end of the day, 
it's still all about people, right? Um, what was it? Um, Vito Corleone in The Godfather said it's always personal. Um, my favorite book, right? Um, and film. Um, but if you go back, look, the thing that really annoys me is go back a few recessions. The dot-com boom in the nine, uh, late 90s, early in 2000. VCs had been plowing money into businesses. We were all over-hiring, hiring superstars, you know, trying to build the Galactico organization, paying them too much money, and then it all crashed. And we all said, we'll never do that again. Jump forward 23 years, or 22 years, VCs throwing huge amounts of money at organizations, hiring teams of Galacticos at more money than the market really is willing to, is able to pay. Software developers going for 150k a year. And what happens? We crash. Different reason for the crash. You know, there's a factor of lots of things this time. But we crash. And now what's happened? VCs have got no money to invest. Well, they have, but they don't want to invest it. The streets are awash with SAS blood because there's so many people <laughs> let go. This is just history repeating itself. We never learn. And we'll learn for five years, and then it'll all start to change again. All circle over again. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. On that note, David, absolute pleasure speaking to you uh, on this Friday morning. And I've um, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been brilliant. I mean, we'll have to get you back on and we'll do a three-way uh, podcast with someone else from the industry. Okay. Um, we like to keep it short and sweet. So we're up to uh, 20 minutes, which I think is good, right? So um, everyone can have their cup of coffee and enjoy the show for 20 minutes. David, what have we got planned for the weekend? Because uh, let's finish off with the fact that you are a, a musician, right? Uh, yeah, just for fun. I'm in a blues band and a country band and um, I'm in a fantastic blues band. I'm going to give us a plug now called The Vodka Shots. Uh, we're actually not gigging this weekend, which is the first time in a long time, but we are then effectively gigging almost every weekend up to Christmas, I think. So um, so this weekend I will be... What will I be doing this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go and watch my grandkids play football. Um, I shall watch my beloved Manchester City play Arsenal. Um, my brother's then, an Arsenal fan. Okay. And then uh, somewhere along the way, I have a couple of pints. Excellent. Well, if, if we can have permission to play the vodka shots at the end of this podcast, can we have permission to do that? Uh, if I can find you a clip, I'll send it to you, yeah. Brilliant. Well, hopefully this podcast will finish with the vodka shots. On that note, David, thank you very much for joining me. Justin, Justin thank you. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.